Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. I'm Josh Desch, lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined as always by my wife, the zestful Betsy. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey, you are zestful. Is that a word? It is a word. You oh, know, wow. obviously it's connected to zesty, uh-huh. but zestful is like energetic, exuberant, Aww, full of you. life. Zest, zestful. I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a little quirky. Mm-hmm. Betsy, um, hope you're feeling zestful today because we got a big one. Exploring social media and identity. Yeah. So here's what we want to do today, folks. We want to take a bit of a deep dive. Okay. Maybe not like an Olympic dive off the high board. Right. Maybe We're like one of those, maybe not even a springboard, maybe a springboard. <laughs> uh, we want to take a dive into social media not so much to to critique it, not so much to say social media is bad or social media is good, although I think obviously social media has good and it has bad, mm-hmm. but more to understand how it works mm-hmm. and why it works. And, the, and what how it serves us. How it serves us, yeah. So we kind of want to take the engine out and take it apart a little bit and say, okay, what does this mean for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, I also hope, Bets, that we can get a little bit into the whole idea of what social media does to the idea of being a moderate person. Mm. So moderate is is obviously like in, in political terms, they'll talk about the moderates mm-hmm. or the undecideds or the independents. Uh, those would sort of be, or the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what is the impact of social media on uh, moderates, those in the middle, independence. So Betts, um, what prompted us to have this conversation was something that Tim Keller wrote. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> yeah, Tim Keller inspired us again. <laughs> Tim has done some analysis of a book um, and we will probably reference the book a couple times in this podcast. The name of the book that Tim Keller has analyzed is called Breaking the Social Media Prism how to make our platforms less polarizing. Mm-hmm. That's by a guy named Chris Bale. Uh, he's, a, he's a prof somewhere, I forget where. But the point of his book is specifically to look at the polarization that has come as a result of social media. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're interested in that, but we're also interested in it from, a, I would say, a little bit of a bigger angle beyond just the political side. Right, which is really interesting. So it's kind of... Um, the the article that we read, it's called, y'all can um, Google it, it's called Can Social Media Foster Persuasion and Not Polarization? And it gets into ideas, there's kind of these different angles of looking at identity and idea sharing through social media. Yeah, so so let's just start with this. Um, Bets, why do people use social media? I think there's, I mean, obviously you could, that could be its own podcast probably, but, um, there's a lot of different reasons. Like, here's a great example. We have a dear family from our church who just moved to Korea, um, with the army. Yep. And, uh, so, so here, here, this family goes to Korea. They have three young kids. How are you going to keep in touch with them? I mean, are they going to email updates? They could totally, but what's easier? It's just putting something on sure, Facebook. Sure. Are you going to, are you going to call? Because the challenge with calling is, are you going to call every person in your life? Right. Hey, this happened. Or do you just post something? Right. And then everyone sees it at once. So that's obviously a huge function of social media is just staying in touch with people. 
I think yeah. that's how a lot of people use it. Yep. The, probably the dominant way. Mm-hmm. Um, any other things that come to mind when you think about why people use social media? Uh, I think connecting, you know, connecting, connecting people with common interests, like finding your people as mm. it were. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, okay. Of course there's different types of social media. There's different platforms. Um, there's obviously Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok. Uh, I don't think Snapchat's not social media. That's more just communi- communicating. I think it is, isn't it? Is it? Is it a form? I'm not YouTube. even sure. Um, YouTube. You could kind of make an argument. I think YouTube becomes social media when, especially when you see like comment sections mm. on videos. Um, so th- there's obviously a lot of different forms. But bets. How much do you think that people are using social media? to get their ideas out there, to just be like, here's what I think about something. Yeah, there's definitely that. I mean, I feel like Twitter is mostly, because Twitter is not really images, it's mostly words. So, you know, it seems like the Twitter sphere is a lot of ideas being exchanged or news or, you know, a lot of different stuff like that. And some people use Facebook that way to talk about things they're passionate about or, um, you know, to promote, to share articles that they've read about different things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You do see some of, it, I would agree. And, and Instagram would, would be the least, uh, you know, sort of ideas driven. Um, yeah. uh, unless you're, unless you're trying to advance your argument with pictures. Right. Which you um, could. Which you some could. Some people do. Yeah. But what's interesting is, okay, so uh, let, let's start to take the engine apart a little bit. Um, what's really interesting is, uh, in this book that this guy writes about social media, uh, being a prism, Chris Bale, um, he's arguing that ideas are not what really drives social media. Mm-hmm. And, and in other words, people aren't really using this to persuade other people. And we might already know that, mm-hmm. but they're not even really using it to, to even tell other people what they think. But that rather his argument is that social media is more about community and identity than it is about ideas. Hmm. So um, to me, that might seem, uh, I guess that's not necessarily exactly how I would have thought about it initially. Of course, I would have said communities involved, finding friends, um, maybe something about identity would have been in my framework but not in the way that he presents it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It is interesting because he's basically making the argument: um, Look, you're you're really you're really posting the vast majority of the time. People are sharing ideas, really, to help other people that are already like them to sort of to cluster to form a group, and that there's really not a design here to have a good, robust discussion on mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. which I feel like that is, that makes sense to me. And it's interesting though, as we look at this, how is how is this changing our culture? Because uh, in the past we did have uh, sort of a public square, I guess you could say, where there was more of an exchange of ideas. But his argument is that's not really what social media is about. Hmm. Yep. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. I can. Yeah, it's 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 interesting if you um, dig into what Keller's saying here. And again, Keller is commenting on the book. And um, one part I really resonated with, I'll just read it from the article. Um, in our mobile, individualistic, therapeutic, technologically driven culture, 
we have been more and more disembedded from face-to-face communities. And in our increasingly secular society, God and faith no longer serve as a means of identity. Our relationships have thinned out and our identities are more fragile. And even though modern therapeutic culture tells us to look inward, to create our own identity and validate ourselves, many leading thinkers have shown that this is impossible, that we are irreducibly relational beings. So I think what he's saying is we come to social media to um, to define yourself, to find, you know, to make an identity for yourself and to find people like you. Yeah, uh, we, you and I both talked uh, as we were planning this episode how we both liked that terminology, our relationships have thinned out mm-hmm. and how we could even see that in our own lives to a degree. Sure. Um, who wants to call somebody anymore? You just want to text them. That's all you, that's all you want to do. Um, it's easier. The the kind of the more meaningful interactions with other people require more work. Mm -hmm. And so our relationships have thinned. Our identities are more fragile. I do think that's true. There's tons of research on like what happens to adolescents when like, let's say a teenage girl posts something and just she just gets torpedoed on social media with comments and and you know people making fun of her and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. How that just cr- can crush a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's that fragile identity. And I want to read just one quote here to connect to this. I, I absolutely agree. I do think our culture's mobile, individualistic, therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And certainly technology-driven. I mean, that's the most obvious of all. But here's another thing. Just uh, a couple sentences later, Keller says this. Social media have become settings for us to get control over the presentation of ourselves, mm. which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So in social media, I control what other people see of me. Right. I control how I present myself to others. And therefore, I have the illusion or something that the that my identity is in my control mm-hmm. because I only let people see what I want them to see. And if you only know someone in a, you know, technology relationship, if you want to say, or if that's, you know, if it's someone that that's your main point of connecting with, then they don't even know the other things about you. You know, they don't, they don't know that you have a difficult relationship with one of your children or, you know, um, they don't know that your job is really hard or, or whatever it may be, unless you choose to share that. Yeah. Now I could see a counter argument being, well, for all of history, people have obviously, you know, you know, nobody's totally transparent when you, when you interact with other people, we've always, we're always, uh, That's hiding right. to a large degree. That's, right. That's fair. But the difference would be that in my inner, in my social interactions with you, I can only hide so much. Like you're going to get to know me and how I am and my personality to some level. Mm-hmm. It, personal interactions are, they're so much more out of my control than what a social media interaction would be. Sure. That, that, would, be totally. one, that would be one way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Betsy, I love this concept that uh, about social media as a prism. Okay, remember when you would hold up a prism and what that would do, mm-hmm. right? You're looking through something. What does a prism do? Yeah, it like messes everything yeah, up. Yeah, distorts things, make things right. look bigger or smaller. Mm-hmm. So uh, the author's uh, sort of big point is social media is a prism for us that um, distorts reality. Um, 
But I, I am fascinated by the idea that human beings are made in the image of God. It's really interesting that that's how the Bible describes us. Genesis mm-hmm. 1, 26 to 28, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Uh, in the image of God, he created them. And this idea that we have to reflect something, okay? You're a mirror, I'm a mirror, whether mm-hmm. I want to be or not. So, so here's sort of the here's sort of the idea. Humans are are mirrors, not flashlights. Hmm. We 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 are unable to uh, generate our own identity, our own significance on our own. All we can do is reflect a, a significance and identity that comes from somewhere else. Hmm. And so the and so obviously the the as God made us. Well, what are we supposed to reflect? We're supposed to reflect God. Mm. We're supposed to reflect that we uniquely bear His image, and we've been called to live out, uh, you know, His mandate on our lives to be His 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 vice regents, His kings and queens on the earth, have dominion over the whole earth. Uh, but instead, what sin has done is it's led us to try to seek other identities and to try to reflect other things. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of interesting to think about how social media, the role that it might be playing in that mm. uh, to, yeah. to reflect what I think my life is worth. So in an earlier episode, we talked about James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Um, and if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. That's a great book. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I, was, I thought was interesting in that book, and we talked about it briefly in the episode, was... Um, James Clear kind of reflects this modern concept of identity where your identity is just something that you decide you want to be and you step into. Um, And again, as you're saying that it doesn't really work because he also talks about like finding people who are that kind of person and aligning yourself with them because then there again, you're kind of you're kind of getting back to the reflecting idea when you say, well, I want to be this kind of person. So I'm going to make sure I'm surrounded by those kind of people. Yeah. What, if what, that makes sense. what this author is arguing. And I think what the scripture are, would also argue is somebody has to validate your identity. Mm-hmm. You can't validate your identity on your own. So social media can become, and lots of other things can too, right? We're not just saying social media is all That's bad right. and it can't do, it has nothing good, but we, we need something to validate that identity. We, we, we're kidding ourselves if we think we can just say, this is who I am, and I don't need anyone else to affirm that. Right. That's not how God has made us. God has made us, if I'm a mirror, I have to reflect, I have to have my identity validated by something outside of me. Mm-hmm. And so on social media, of course, that can be super easy because how is it validated? It's validated by finding a community and then having my community like what I put out. Mm-hmm. It's that <laughs> um, like button again. <laughs> it's that powerful like button. Yeah. Now, now I will say this. Social media has blessed me a whole lot of ways. One would be when I get to see updates from friends and family. Sure. Another one would be as I have, people have shared really interesting, cool things like videos and quotes and stories that have touched my heart. But when those things have happened, it's felt like it has been more about that exchange of ideas and not so much about identity. Hmm. So that's how I've experienced social media in positive ways. Hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but... Yeah, I think I think another thing um, that I would want to touch on before we close this episode is um, 
Keller lays out some ways at the end of this article where Christians could really set a great example for how to use social media well. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I think it would be great to go over those. And maybe Betsy, before you do that, I can I can add one thing because I mentioned this beginning of the episode, the whole idea about moderates. Mm-hmm. Um, so so basically, we we all know this: the loudest voices are the people who aren't the moderates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're yeah. they're the extremists. They're the people on the far right and the far left. And this isn't going to shock anybody. But guess who dominates social media? Mm-hmm. Um, Guess who dominates, like, who gets the most retweeted or something like that? It's this tiny minority of people that uh, represent extremes. And one thing, I know this was encouraging for me to, to, to hear this, but the research actually indicates that most people are moderates, all right? If you define a moderate as um, sort of holding a mainstream opinion, that is within a realm that it doesn't cross a line into sort of an extreme opinion. The the vast majority of people in America, probably on most topics, are moderate. Mm-hmm. They're not extreme. But on social media, there can be the impression that the country is really two extreme camps. Mm-hmm. But actually that's not the case. But why would why would that narrative be believed? Well that's what drives attention, energy, and it becomes, and everything becomes a battle. Mm-hmm. And so everything becomes, right. are you on my team? Or are you on that team? Mm-hmm. Do you hold my theological beliefs or do you hold those bad theological beliefs? Do you hold my political opinions or do you hold those bad political opinions? Right. And there's, you can, you can see, ex, you know, extremes, if you want to call them that for everything, for all kinds of issues. It's not just politics. It's headbands. <laughs> there's probably multi, there's probably a group that really hates the headbands you like <laughs> and a group I, that really loves them. I'm still looking for them. So. We're the moderates yeah. in the headband world. <laughs> but you know, you could you could say environmentalism, you could say oh, sure. education, like on on every different topic there could be people considered, you know, conservative or liberal or whatever it may be. So it's not just politics, it's really um a wide range of things. That, yeah. can be, that can be construed that way. And before you jump into Keller's wisdom, I just want to add this. The Bible, does the Bible say there's certain things we have to believe? Absolutely, of course. The gospel, the essentials, there's those summaries of the faith like in 1 Corinthians 15. But if you read, especially go read Romans 13 to 15, Paul makes it so clear that we're not supposed to die on every hill. And if we make everything in our lives this battle where you're at, you're either with me or against me, you're not living the Christian life. You're not walking in love. Mm. And and that is something that we need to be mindful of as believers that um, do we approach every issue as right and wrong? Are you on my team? Or are you not on my team? Mm-hmm. So anyway, why don't you yeah. go ahead with what we've got here? Yeah. So the author of the book that Keller's discussing lays out several principles that um, that he believes would move toward persuasion in social media rather than polarization. Um, and so Keller just chose a few of those. The first one is listen long and hard. So that's obviously straight from the word um, to be to be fat, quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, and so often, you know, again, we've talked about this before, listening, what is it listening to um, 
un, to understand and not listening to respond. Yep. Right? Yeah. So that's something we can all grow in in all areas of life, or, well, I can at least. Um, second one is use their own vocabulary and authorities. So when you're talking, um, you know, when you're engaging with someone whose beliefs are different than yours, um, Keller is highlighting that often it can be so effective to use the vocabulary and authorities that, quote unquote, the other group yeah, respects. I, I would say it like this. Don't blow away a straw man if mm. you can avoid it. If, if you end up, if they say that you did a straw man, I mean, maybe you didn't understand it, or maybe they 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 uh, always say. Maybe the other side kind of always accuses. Do you want to do you want to define straw man argument? Because for a long time I didn't know what that meant, and I'm still not sure I know what it means. And you were a philosophy major. Well, yeah, but so I'm actually thinking, a I'm thinking of, a, of a scarecrow in a field right now, though. I mean, wouldn't <laughs> that be where this comes from? Like you you literally put hay in a in a in some old clothing's yeah. Clothing so got, so give me an example of a straw man argument. Uh. Everybody who likes football is a bad person. I, I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, 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 and I know that because uh, people watch football on Sunday and that's the Lord's day hmm. and God said to honor his day. Hmm. So there you, I mean, it, it, it is a, it is a uh, overly simplistic, um, uncharitable, bad faith reading of your opponent. Mm-hmm. It is, it is not giving your opponent's side the proper due you you are not um, defeating your opponent's best argument, right? You you're setting not, up something that you're you're calling their argument, but it's really a you're you're a misrepresenting man. your opponent. And the best way I've always I've heard this is your opponent should be able to recognize him or herself in your argument. Mm. Like, yeah, that is what I would say. Mm. That is my you know. So that would be um, we we should try to the best of our ability to not do that. Mm. Thanks. That was great. Uh, so next thing Keller highlights, agree to something inside their worldview as you critique them. So that's an interesting idea um, to not not just say the way that you're coming on this at any issue is totally wrong and I disagree with everything that you think. You well, know? and if all truth is God's truth, we shouldn't think that non-Christians don't experience or are aware of or communicate any truth. I mean, that would really be right. silly. Be silly. It'd be silly. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth one, be willing to be self-critical. That's, that can be a tough one, but holding, you know, holding our own views, um, loosely and being willing to be humble and to say, we don't know everything. And last one, loosen the links between your ideas and your identity. I love that. Oh, that's huge. Because, you know, so often, like Keller says here, don't make your ideas into an identity such that any disagreement feels like an attack to attack on your very being. And you can see that on social media. And if we're honest, um, if you post something and somebody gives a negative comment, I mean, who doesn't feel that a little bit? Mm -hmm. And obviously it depends on who the person is and all that. But um, uh, we we would ideally want to be people that if if we've shared our opinion and we felt like that was the right thing to do, we we wanted to reach our audience with our opinion, then, then we shouldn't be crushed by what other people think of us if we're really rooted in Christ. That's right. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you for uh, joining us on this uh, light, light dive Mm -hmm. into social media. What's, what's going on? I, this, this book sounds really interesting, especially if you're politically oriented, Mm -hmm. um, breaking the social media prism, Mm -hmm. but uh, thank you for joining us Mm -hmm. and we'll, we will see you next time.